I think a lot of women have profound mystical experiences when they become uh, a mother. Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host Robert, and normally we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint or two of our favorite beers. So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair and listen in for the next little while as we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves. And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Now, like I said just off the top, and you've heard this before, normally we're a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint of our favorite beer. Unfortunately, once again, Dennis can't be here with us this evening. Now, unlike all of those episodes way back in season one, Dennis isn't sick this time. Thanks be to God, Dennis is in perfectly good health. On the other hand, what happened was, as we were figuring out a date to schedule our interview with our guest this evening, um, Dennis gave me a bunch of dates to put out there. Our guest chose a date. Last week, I got a phone call from Dennis when he finally realized that the date we had booked our guest for was his wife Paula's birthday. Now, I really love Paula. Paula's really good for Dennis. I don't want Dennis to lose Paula. So I gave him the night off so that he could spend the the birthday with Paula. So before we introduce our guest, I just want to you know, give a quick shout out and say, you know, Paula, thank you for all you do for, for Dennis. Thank you for your prayers for Dennis, but especially Paula, happy birthday. Now, without further ado, I do want to introduce our guest this evening. Our guest this evening is Dorothy Polarski, who is a wife and a mother of two 20-somethings. She's also a Catholic speaker, the author of two books, Monica Loves Dresses and Motherhood Matters. She co-created the Mothering in Full Grace series at Salt and Light, and she is currently the host of Midday Moms, which you can find on YouTube and podcast form. She's the founder of the Catholic Moms Groups Ministry, the Dynamic Woman of Faith Conference, as well as the Calling All Girls Conference for Young Women of Faith. I'm very blessed this evening to have Dorothy join me here on the Pints and Pews podcast. So, Dorothy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, um, Robert, for that beautiful introduction. I wish my husband could have heard it. <laughs> well, once we get it out there, you can replay it back for him and see, see, really, see, really, this is what it's what I'm like. Yeah, for... yeah, no, thank you, thank you. That was wonderful. It's great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, we're so so blessed to to have you here, and you're so busy with ministry, so busy with the mom's ministry, especially here in the month of May. Uh, very fortunate that you were able to to get an evening in for us, uh, and. Again, through the week, we had to reschedule a little bit. So again, thank you for being so flexible on on dates as well. Uh, and again, special prayer for Dennis and Paula, especially for Paula on her on her birthday. I celebrate a birthday in May as well. So uh, May the eighteenth, blessed to celebrate a birthday um, together with Saint John Paul II in heaven. Right. So oh. 
Well, yeah. ha- happy birth! I was not aware of that. Happy birthday! May God bless you for your your birthday, uh, not just on the day but through the year. Uh, May is a very popular month for for birthdays. It is. It is. And as as we were talking about before, my son Michael May the second, and my wife also celebrated her birthday on May eighth, which some years falls on Mother's Day. And I was informed very early on. One gift just isn't going to cut it if birthday and Mother's Day coincide. <laughs> yeah, I, so. had to, I had to train my husband in the, you know, he kind of grew up in uh, beer drinking Scarborough and, uh, and their family wasn't very big into celebrating different things. And, and so I, I, I had to sort of teach him the ways, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Men, <laughs> Us guys, we have problems with that. I think I, I probably, I've, I have shared before and I know when I give talks, I, I share. Yeah. I messed up our very first Valentine's day when we were married. So I've been kind of off the hook for Valentine's day ever since, but oh, happy birthday. And such a blessing and such a blessing to uh, share your birthday in the month of May with our, our blessed mother. Yeah, it's our, our blessed mother is, um, you know, the, oh gosh, I, I don't know where to start with our blessed mother, but um, she's the reason that our ministry exists. And uh, May is a very, very special, you know, time in our ministry because our ministry is on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. And we're also on a mission to revive the relationship um, that women may or may not have with our Blessed Mother. Um, I myself grew up, I was born in Poland, and so I grew up in a very pious religious home, but I myself didn't start praying the rosary until my late 20s, and I, I didn't really even have a relationship with our Blessed Mother in a personal way until um, my late 20s. And and I thought, oh my gosh, there's so many gifts. There's so many blessings. There's so much direction. Our Blessed Mother wants to give uh, young women so much direction she wants to give to mothers, so much direction and love she wants to give to everybody, you know, and I'm like, how oh, do I, yeah. miss this? I miss this being Polish? Uh, but sometimes we have to hit rock bottom, you know, um, before we kind of uh, sometimes try some of the traditional pious religious practices in our in our Catholic faith. Yeah, and isn't that always the case that you know when we finally do grow into a deeper relationship with our Blessed Mother, and we grow in relationship with Christ, we go like why didn't I know about this before? Why had I not tapped into all of these graces before? Um, We can't lament that. We can't go back and change that. What we can do, though, is uh, just cherish the graces that we're receiving and continue to to receive through our relationship, both with Mother Mary and with Christ and and God the Father and the, the Holy Spirit. Now, Dorothy, I have to say, this is at the point where Dennis really starts to get antsy because we haven't opened our beers yet and we haven't said our, our prayer. So as I'm opening and pouring mine, why don't you share with our listeners what you've brought to drink with us this evening? I am drinking a glass of Black Tower white wine. I'm not uh, I'm not a big beer drinker, but I do um I I, I like white claw. <laughs> I like okay. water. So that, that's my uh yeah, so I have some white wine here. Now, see for me when I turn to wine, it's usually 
a red wine. Uh, having spent some time in the Beaujolais, I kind of had a bit of an affinity for the Beaujolais uh, and maybe some of the the, the reds from uh, deeper in the south of France. But I also enjoy the the nice crisp whites as well. So is the Black Tower, it's a little bit more crisp or is it a little bit more fruity? I really don't know that one. Uh, I, I'm not a, a connoisseur to me. It just tastes like white wine. I, I can't uh, <laughs> really describe. I'm good at describing a lot of things, but not, not why. I, I completely get that. People say, oh, this and that. I'm, I'm not a beer snob. I'm not a wine snob. I know what I like. Yeah, exactly. I know what I like and I know what I enjoy. So for myself this evening, I've brought along from the McKinnon Brothers Brewery, uh, a Philomena Pilsner. Oh. And you know, it was a nice warm day out there. I actually cut the grass when I got home from work. So a nice crisp Pilsner, like a nice crisp glass of white wine is just going to slake the fir- the thirst really nice. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to, to trying that. And I picked up the Philomena when I did that. I saw it in the store. The first person I thought of was St. Philomena. Oh my goodness. Right. Because it's just, it's not a very common name around mm-hmm. here anymore. So when I, I saw the name Philomena, I thought, yeah, St. Philomena, uh, the, the young virgin and martyr that they found in the, the catacombs of Priscilla in Rome. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to have a, a Philomena lager. So before we take our first sip, we're going to uh-huh. say grace before beer, grace before before wine. Uh, and then we'll take our first sip and let everyone know what we think of our, our beverages. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Bless, O Lord, these creatures, beer and wine, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain and the fruit of the vine, that they may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink of them may gain health and body and peace and soul. Through Christ our Lord, Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cheers, Dorothy. Cheers. I, I have to admit that's the first. I've never I've never recited, a, I've never prayed a prayer before drinking my wine. Maybe we're starting a new tradition. Oh. Well, yeah, sometimes it's nice to pray before. Um, I think it's better to pray before you have a drink than needing to pray after you've had too many drinks. <laughs> no, that's true. Now, Dorothy, we're at the part of the podcast where, again, Dennis likes to unleash his inner Marcus Grodi, and okay. he likes to ask our listeners to to take us back to share your faith journey, your faith story. You can start back whatever point you want to start from, whether um, from your childhood, young adulthood. If you want to go back a couple of generations, you're more than welcome to to do that as well. And, and share as much as or as little of your your faith story, so that people, our listeners, can get to know who is Dorothy Polarski. Sure, I'd, I'd I'd love to do that. So, I I grew up in a very religious, pious home. Um, you know, my my dad in Poland was the church uh, organist, and my mom was a, a member of the Legion of Mary, and we immigrated to Canada when I was 
quite young and um you know i was i was basically a toddler and my parents did a remarkable job of i guess keeping us in a, a bit of a bubble um growing up in the polish community under the spiritual care of the oblates and i went to saint stanislav's uh church and our whole lives revolved around the church, you know, um, because again, my mom continued her involvement with the Legion of Mary here. My dad, he wasn't the church organist, but became um, a member of the choir. And we were a struggling immigrant family that, um, you know, I was at church three, four, sometimes five days a week. I was taking religion classes. I was going to youth group as I got older. On Friday nights, I would go to the church hall as I grew, you know, a little bit older to watch the altar boys play. Then I took Polish dance lessons. And and so, um, and I was taught by the uh, Felician sisters uh, preparing me for First Holy Communion. And you know, I almost failed my classes for First Holy Communion because uh -oh. well, I was being taught in Polish, and I guess I was the youngest of the, you know, family of four, and I was being raised in a Canadian culture, going to school in Canada, and my parents' first language was Polish, and so my mother was trying to keep the Polish moving, and so I was having difficulty understanding, you know, concepts. And so my mother interceded and bada boom, bada bing, got me into an English speaking uh, nuns class and I passed with flying colors. And right from the word get go, I've known a tremendous amount of suffering, you know, just just a few days before I was due to have my first Holy Communion. I uh, had to have a, you know, surgery, just a simple surgery for um, the removal of a tonsil. But before you know it, they discovered a cyst. Before you knew it, they hadn't sewn it properly back up. And before you know it, I was being set up for blood transfusions. Before you know it, I was getting, um, you know, before you know it, I was getting um, the sacrament of the sick is a very young age. So from a, it almost seemed right from the word get-go, I, I was not a foreigner to suffering, and I don't want to focus on that, but um, there's been a tremendous amount of blessing in my life, but then uh, there's also been a tremendous amount of suffering, and I guess the suffering served a purpose in that it always kept me close to home, right? Even in my teenage mm -hmm. years, when I started to get a bit cocky in my faith because of course I had these Polish immigrant parents I was now a teenager and I started to do whatever teenagers do and say whatever teenagers say we won't ask for a full confession that's no, no, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> but uh, I I was hit by a car getting out of a streetcar going to school and uh, ended up, you know, in the hospital for sick kids, missing a semester of school. And again, I was brought to my senses, right? Um, because who was there to care for me? My mother was there to care for me. So I, I was a victim, um, just like I think most women who have grown up in this culture of you know, being really drawn into some of the feminist ideologies. 
Um, I also um, got quite heavily involved in the self-help movement because, you know, it was a time to develop your potential. It was the age of Aquarius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was all those wonderful things. And so, um, so there was a, a tremendous amount of dynamic tension uh, during those years growing up in the family that I did, because I was constantly questioning who was right. Were these Polish immigrants right? You know, because I began to think that they were outdated and, um, you know, old yeah. and, and, and all those things. The kind of, the kind of having the, the foot in two worlds. That's exactly where my feet were. And, and there was this push and pull and, you know, there was the allure of, you know, the world. And uh, I was very determined to develop all of my potential. I was very determined to travel a lot. Um, and so I did. And I got, you know, quite heavily involved in uh, my career. And there was a tremendous amount of stress associated with it. I was the first, I think, female in our family um i moved out of the house before i was married and that was you know my my sister was still at home uh, and she was five years my senior and it was absolutely unheard of you know at that time Mm -hmm. to uh fly the coop have your own apartment and uh you know, so I look back at it now and I think, oh my gosh, was it such a sin to move out of the house? But um, so how did this, you know, how does all of this relate to my faith? Um, I never stopped going to Sunday Mass. You know, my mother and father were very disciplined and they also, um, I think my mother was extremely wise in that she was extremely demanding but very delightful at the same time, right? Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I had a heart for my mother, despite all of our shenanigans. Um, I remember one year we went on a trip to Poland. And again, I was wanting to develop my potential. And I was interested in getting hypnotized. I was always like, pushing the edge, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I was, you know, (laughs) I was in my mid-20s, and my mother, she fought me tooth and nail, and she she was a warrior. And, you know, she said, I'm going to die first (laughs) before you get hypnotized on holidays in Poland. Like, it's just not going to happen, right? Um, So there was a lot of, you know, there was a a remarkable amount of fighting that went on. Um, Which I think is normal, and it it is a a healthy part of the the parent-child relationship. As the child is trying to find that independence, but the wisdom of the parents as well. And it's finding that balance. Yeah. And, you know, when I was, I don't know if any of your listeners, like I, I, you know, at one point worked, you know, uh, right downtown at, uh, you know, near Roy Thompson hall. And so there was, you know, the clubbing scene after, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) after work, I worked, you know, for a number of years at Dun & Bradstreet, then the Royal Bank. Um, and and so I, I, I did become a bit of a career junkie. I was, 
you know, trying to find meaning through my work. Um, and after, you know, doing corporate for a number of years, I thought, oh, maybe I'll try nonprofit. Ended up working for the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, Canadian Mental Health Association. And I had set this goal that I would be, you know, married by 24. And of course, I was in my 30s and I'm still not married. So this goal setting um, thing, you know, wasn't working. Um, and, and so, when you know, even when I was part of the, you know, clubbing scene or whatever, my mother would be sitting on the footsteps of you know, she she would come downtown with a taxi like she she had her hands she was a warrior like my mom was a warrior and um she was going to do everything in her power to make sure that Dorothy's soul made it to heaven that right yeah though no, that's that's the that's the bottom line and so um at one point too i you know because i was under so much um stress work-related stress um, at one point i was delivering seminars internationally um for an american seminar company and i delivered seminars in australia i delivered seminars in new zealand hawaii across canada across the us you know they they paid well and I, it was exhilarating. I still look back at it as one of the most exhilarating times in my life. But it was, it was exhausting. And and um, anyway, at one point, something that affected my faith life very deeply, that was sort of pulling me off track. I I, um, I started to do yoga for the purposes of you know exercise and. That caused me a number of different spiritual problems. I I suffered from uh, a remarkable depression, and you know, so when one kind of hits that rock bottom, um, you know, you begin to think about, okay, I've you know, I've traveled internationally. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm I'm still single in the middle of all of this. And this isn't this isn't quite what I had planned. And so in many ways, my life was better than what I had planned. But then in many ways, it was, you know, worse. And again, I forget the the year, but there was a, a year where I got into a, a fight with my father um, because he was planning to go to Poland, like my parents were going to go together, but my father, um, my mother fell and she broke her hip while she was, you know, washing the kitchen floor. And I made it very clear to my dad that, you know, a good husband wouldn't be leaving for Poland um, mm -hmm. while his, you know, wife was suffering. And they were supposed to go together. And of course, insurance was going to reimburse her because she was the one that broke the hip, but they weren't going to reimburse his money um, because there was nothing wrong with him. And I just couldn't, you know, be like this kind of bit of feminist mentality that I had is that, you know, he should drop everything and, um, and you know, cancel his trip. And I wasn't appreciating that he was an immigrant and that my mother had given him permission and he had already talked to her anyway. So my, my words with my dad were harsh because I think the feminists taught us to 
you know, <laughs> what, what became important was being able to express how we felt, right? What was important was being able to express what we thought. There was a real movement away from pondering things in our heart. I don't think women are very good at pondering things in their hearts anymore. And I, and I wasn't. And so anyway, I let my dad have it. And uh, lo and behold, he died on holidays on that trip. And so uh, that was a, that was a, a shocking, that was a shocking time and it also um it also caused me to you know reflect on who i had become in light of you know the 10 commandments and and so on and mm -hmm, so forth mm -hmm. um because in an interesting kind of way i was much closer to my father than i was to my mother at the time and and um and it was a dramatic experience because there were over 2,000 people, if not 3,000 people in at my father's funeral. And they walked through the town of Vieluing, which is just close to Częstochowa. Um, and there was a 24-piece band and five priests um, and the father that I knew in Canada that was, you know, a factory worker that taught Polish immigrants how to play instruments was not the man that they knew in the small town. In the small town, you know, he had mm -hmm. um, much more stature and he had brought water to the city and people flew in from all over Poland. And, and in, in fact, um, I shouldn't be brave, or, but... Um, my um my first cousin's um son is actually the 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 prime minister of Poland Morawiecki so you know so who my dad is, is a suffering immigrant here in Canada um wasn't who he was and and so I I came to when we traveled to Poland for the funeral I'm like oh my gosh I didn't even know my father really right I didn't know him and uh and so my father's sudden unexpected death with sin staring me in the face, um, you know, um, brought me to, you know, my, I sometimes, I sometimes think, I almost sometimes think that my father's death was like uh, God's way of almost saving my soul, right? Because I don't think, um it just it made me reevaluate the way I was, you know, talking to my parents at times and maybe not appreciating the sacrifices they had made and that maybe I didn't have enough, you know, humility. And 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 so um, anyway, so I, I didn't really know how I was going to make it from one day to the next, right, after my father passed away. And it was it was then that I began to go to um daily mass because it was kind of like okay i need you know to make it from one day to the next um 
and and yet even you know even that wasn't enough to solidify me in the faith. As soon as you start getting better and things start to improve, you start getting a bit cocky, right? Um, uh, yeah, un- unfortunately, yeah, our, our human pride, even in things of the faith, right? Even in places where we're supposed to be humble, uh, it's it's a it's a great struggle that you know we're in it for the kingdom, we're in it for the faith, we're in it for Christ look at me at how righteous I am sometimes, yeah. and that becomes part of the problem. And I'm just so very, very moved by the the story of your humble parents. And you're sharing that you know, the parents that you knew here in Canada, the parents that you grew up here with here in Canada, were not the same people back home. But that that humility, that humbleness. And I've seen it with my own in-laws, with my my wife's family. Her parents immigrated from Portugal. And so you you see that they they give up everything that they have back home, but they do it because they know they need to make the sacrifice for their their children. And, and, And that sacrificial love that they they have and that just so beautiful so beautiful and you you spoken when you started your story you were talking about you know the the struggling immigrant family yeah and and my dad and just the reason that he came to canada i'll tell you is because um they started to teach you know because i have two older brothers and older sister and they started to teach um, you know, under, com- under the communist regime. And, you know, my, my mother is actually a survivor of World War II. She was pulled out of the rubble by Marian priests when uh, Germany attacked Warsaw. And so, you know, the fights that we would have, she would say, like, Dorothy, you know, my life was as a teenager, I was saved, I was pulled out of the rubble, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but but my father came to Canada because the communists began to teach his children that we came from monkeys. <laughs> and uh, and he says, we, he says, we are children of God. We are not, you know, and, and so this was his... You know, he basically, they came to Canada with just a very few dollars in their pocket um, because of his faith, you know. And I, I think, oh, my gosh, the the courage that uh, that he had, you know. And my mother, she did not want to come to Canada at all because her siblings, her mother, you know. But my, my father's like, no, no. And I, I keep on saying that now my kids are going to move back to Poland. <laughs> <laughs> And again, too, through your story, through the, the struggles of the immigrant family, through all the, the health suffering that you went through as a child and a, as a teenager, you kept sharing that your your mother was there. Your mother was there. And during this month of May, as Catholics, we have a very special devotion to Mary, our Blessed Mother. Now, why do you think motherhood is so important to our, our Catholic faith, and, and probably more so today than it was I mean it's always motherhood's always been important to people of faith, but I think it's really needed now. And what what do you think for this? Well, 
I guess the experience that I had with, you know, my mom was like, really, my mother was my first priest, right? Um, Because, you know, she would take me to church and, you know, she would, as a four-year-old, you know, she would make sure that I was, you know, putting money in the um, in the when they were making the collection, and I'll never forget this is I don't know whether to laugh or cry, but uh, you know, she had given me some money, and as a little kid, I was kind of like, okay, I want to keep the bigger one for myself, and I'll put in the you know, little one into the you know, so yeah, yeah throwing in the dime and keeping the nickel and then everybody was laughing at me because of course um you know that i had given the one that was more and then of course i got scolded for you're supposed to give it all but but all of these you know and my mother's laughter like laughing at me for you know and so she could have gotten angry that i didn't put both the nickel and the dime right but she had this remarkable like like I said, she was demanding and delightful, demanding and delightful, and and so the everyone had a good laugh. And so motherhood is important because like right from the word get go, the mother is in a position um, to become the child's spiritual director, like and and to nourish the child, not only nourishing the child from the breast. But nourishing the child, you know, by stroking the child, nourishing the child um, when it's crying, nourishing the child when it's hungry. And, you know, and one thing I often like to say is that if a child can't depend on the love of its mother, what love can it depend on? Oh, for sure. For sure. Right. And so um, one thing that I, I like to, you know, and, and I had a profound um, Marian experience when I had my firstborn. And I think a lot of women have profound mystical experiences when they become uh, a mother. And we're in our culture, we're so hurried out of these mystical experiences and we're so hurried out of pondering, right? And and so this rush and this hurrying is, I think, destroying that bond between you know the the mother and the child. So I th- I believe that the mother is extremely important because just as you know Christ laid down his life, um, and you know, and the the sacrifice of his life being, you know, crucified on the cross where blood was shed, like women shed blood when they're giving birth and, 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 and they're co-creating yes with their husbands, but they're also co-creating with God and carrying, um, you know, a a soul that is going to live for eternity, hopefully. And, and, and and so i think the the mystical spiritual supernatural uh, bond between the mother and the child is unique and different than what it is between 
you know, the, the father and, and, and the child. And of course, the role of the father is extremely important. But I like to think of mothers raising their children, um, you know, that, you know, Jesus learned so much at the school of of Mary. And, and, and so many children now aren't, you know, like, we encourage women to rediscover or to discover a relationship with our Blessed Mother and to be drawing graces from our Blessed Mother in order to transmit to this child so that in some way we can teach the same things that our Blessed Mother taught Jesus to our children, right? And so anyway, mm-hmm. I could I could speak about this forever, so you better, I better hit the pop. <laughs> you, you, you need to have a, a, a sip of the black tower. That yeah, just, yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah. That, <laughs> just like your thirst to to soothe your 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 throat. I really love this notion of mysticism in motherhood that you're you're talking about. You know, just the the, the mystical bond that exists between mother. And child, and the the mystical experience of of motherhood, and you're right. That's something myself, as a guy, just can't fully comprehend, and never will, and will never pretend to to understand. At that, uh, I'll wonder at it. I can really appreciate it. Uh, I can marvel at, at this notion, but again. Like you're saying, the world seems to be hurrying us away from the mystical, away yeah. from this this pondering in our hearts. And again, the this important of the the mystical, the spiritual part of that. And you were talking about how a mother can nourish her child physically and, and all of the the nurturing that goes in. But you also started off with saying that you know. The mother probably has the most important position of, of spiritual director uh, of their children. How can this play out in the the mother child relationship? This this notion of mystagogy with this the spiritual direction that a mother can bring to the that dynamic. Like, well, one of the very you know one of the very first practices I, I recommend is. Um, as soon as humanly possible is to be, you know, blessing uh, children with holy water every single day. Like my my son in his late 20s now was, you know, starting a new job. And I'm like, come here, come here, I bless you with holy water. Um, And and so the blessing of children, you know, with holy water, um, teaching children to pray, you know, I I remember... um, Again, I started praying the rosary uh, quite late in life, and and so, but once I started, I thought, okay. And so, I would pray the rosary out loud while I, sometimes I was, and sometimes it's a whisper while I was nursing. And so, I always encourage uh, you know mothers, you know, to uh, pray for your children, pray with your children, and teach your children to pray, and. Um, the the other thing, like I'm, I'm very blessed because I could have done, I could not have done any of this without my husband John, and um, because you know becoming a mother at you know I don't know if I was 35 or 36, 
after a, a, a career where I had a lot of, you know, adulation and delivering, you know, seminars and um, it was a, and traveling internationally. And now you're, you know, basically confined to your home for a long period of time. There is no adulation. The kid is throwing up, <laughs> you know, you're changing diapers. So it's not easy, right? Because the child also serves to, um, to have a mother face her sinfulness, right? Um, because the child is crying. And so now I'm inconvenienced. I'm angry, I'm triggered, and I'm, oh, I have to face my selfishness, right? So that that bond between the mother and the child um, also is a result of the effect of the virtues that the mother is having to develop that she didn't have before, um, before having the child, and she's able to develop those virtues out of the love you know, she has for that child. She she might not have had reason to develop those virtues before and and maybe, you know, volunteering, there wasn't enough, enough love in the mix in order mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. develop that virtue, right? So how can a mother help? A mother can help by blessing the child with holy water. A mother can help by praying with the child. And then as you're praying out loud, um, before my children could even speak, they would be kind of repeating some of the sounds of the rosary. And so they grew up in that the, the culture of um, a culture of prayer of you know of taking children to daily mass like when I left the hospital St Joseph's Hospital the first place we went was to see my spiritual director and they got a blessing I got a uh, I got a blessing from you know my spiritual director the kids got a blessing and that very first week you know they've they never missed a Sunday mass and uh, and and. And so that's another way that a, a mother, um, you know, and then helping them understand the, you know, visiting the sick. Anyway, I could talk about this forever. Yeah, and I think it's absolutely beautiful. Like you were sharing that your your children were praying the rosary with you before they could even speak. Just that they're they're making the sounds and following the the rhythm of the rosary, and that prayer life is just a part of who they are. It's, it's part of of the identity. And I really like the notion of parents blessing their children. Um, When our Michael was younger, what we would do as a family before we started our day, so he would go off to his school, my wife was going to her school, and I was going off to my school. But before we we left the house, we had holy water, and we would trace the the cross on each other's forehead, so we would bless each other. That's right. beautiful. Uh, you know, and may the Lord bless and protect you. Uh, and then we would pray the, the prayer to St. Michael. Because when you're going out into the world today, you need all the spiritual protection you can get because it is a scary place. It is. It's it a is. scary, it's- scary place. So from that, I wanted to ask you then, Dorothy, because you're sharing all these fantastic ideas. And like you said, you could go on for hours and hours and hours about this because, you know, the parents' first role is to get their children to heaven. Yes. And you've developed a beautiful ministry to help other moms 
do the same thing. So I wanted to kind of ask, what was the the genesis behind the Catholic Moms Group? Well, when I when I became a mom, I thought like I I was in the training business for you know how many how many years, and um, I'm kind of like, okay, how does this mother thing motherhood thing work, right? And I also was very eager to learn, um, like, how do successful Catholics successfully pass down the faith, right? Because I had this kind of training mentality, and there's got to be things you do. And I, I knew I couldn't do the same things that my parents had done, because I had married a Canadian. And so I couldn't I couldn't raise them in the bubble of the Polish immigrant, um, you know, mm-hmm. monastery almost. There's a the, the oblates are geniuses when it comes to uh, passing down the faith, and and so I I knew that I could not you know use that same model because my my husband wasn't eager to you know go to Polish mass, although he did and has gone to Polish. Christmas and Polish Easter for 30 mm-hmm. years of our marriage. So I got that much. But that's the, the beauty of our faith is that we don't go to Portuguese Mass, but when we were traveling in Portugal, we would go to Mass. And the, the beauty of the liturgy is if you have a couple of words, you can at least pick out where you are in the Mass and, and follow along, right? So yeah. even I'm sure your husband, even though he's not used to the Polish Mass, he would know the mass well enough to know where he's at and he's able to pray along with him. Yeah. So I, I started visiting, like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to know how this works. Right. And so I started visiting different um, mothers groups because I wanted to meet other mothers. And so some mothers groups that were secular, I'm kind of like, okay, she's on her third divorce. And this one's talking about how she drank wine last night. I'm like, this is not the place for me. So I went to another mother's group. Then I went to some even church-based mother's groups where, um, you know, they would bring in a nurse practitioner or they would bring a, and I was like, no, that, that did, there was, I was, there was like a real seeking on my part, um, you know, and there are a number of, you know, movements in the church and I explored a number of movements and one of those movements also hosted, um, you know, mother's groups. But I, I found the experience um, didn't kind of mesh with my personality because they were silent. And I, I wanted to talk things through. I wanted to say like, okay, do you, you know, do you do this or do you do that? And I wanted to laugh and I wanted to bring in my Polish heritage. And so um, some of the movements in the church that had mother's groups, I found that were, they were too stern and too demanding. And I, I just didn't think I was that holy, right? I was like, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not that holy, you know? Um, and, and so I, you know, I attended many, many, many different types of mother's groups. And, um, and then I thought, well, I'm going to just start my own. Like, you know, I've been self-employed or like this, this, this isn't rocket science. Let me start my own mother's group. And I guess one of the, you know, members of this movie, oh, well, you can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean I can't do that? <laughs> that that's how, 
all of the great movements within the church have started. Someone has decided somewhere along the line, this is where the Holy Spirit is calling me, and this is what I'm going to do. And yeah, this so is what's going to happen. Yeah, so I started, uh, you know, mom's group, and I started to invite women to speak at the mom's group that I admired and that had older kids and that their kids were practicing the faith and that I would invite priests to speak at the, you know, Catholic moms group. Sometimes I would give a reflection on, you know, my own. Sometimes I would invite an author of a Catholic book that I had read. And, you know, lo and behold, 12 years later, you know, hosting this mother's group and in the 12th year, of hosting a mother's group, I said to the, uh, this isn't a huge group, you know, sometimes there were seven women, sometimes there were 17. Um, and so anyway, I said to these women, I go, look, we've been meeting for 12 years. We should celebrate somehow because, you know, our cultures, my culture is heavily into celebrating or my family that kind of group. I, I grew up in a family that, you know, my dad was an accordionist. My uh, uncle. Well, our, our faith is filled with joy. Of course, with we're joy. supposed to celebrate. Right? So, I said, so let's, let's celebrate our 12 years, except for instead of having it here, why don't we do it at the Sheridan Hotel? And why don't we all invite someone that we know would not come out regularly, um, but someone that would go to the Sheridan for, you know, a glass of wine, <laughs> here's mm -hmm. some speakers, whatever. And um, so that was. You know, that was the first dynamic women of faith event, and it attracted a hundred women. Right. Wow. Wow. And, Thanks uh, be to God. What a blessing. <laughs> and I was shocked. And I'm like, I wasn't planning to ever do it again because to me it was like, okay, 12 years we're celebrating like 12 apostles. Um, but anyway, the long and the short of it is, you know, Dynamic Woman of Faith is now into its 15th year. <laughs> uh, wow. Wow. A true blessing. A true it, blessing. It, and I know I've seen the posters for the Dynamic Catholic Woman of Faith, the, the conference, and you've had some great speakers that you, you've had come out to that. Yeah, we've, um, been, we've been very, very blessed. We've had, um, you know, we've had... Dr. Julia Caradella locally. We have had um, Father Giopato from Holy Angels Church. We've had, you know, Kimberly Hahn. We've had um, Elizabeth Tan. It's It's been such an incredible uh, blessing to me, both personally and um, I think to the community as well. I, I was going to say, I think for all the ladies that are attending, and again, I know speaking with Dennis from time to time, we look at the lineup that you have for the, the, the dynamic Catholic woman of faith, and we're kind of going, we'd like to go. We want to hear that, <laughs> that that person speak. Now, we know that the, the talks are going to be geared towards motherhood and for bolstering motherhood and for bolstering the ladies, but we're looking at the lineup going, Maybe there should just be another side conference with the same lineup that, you know, kind of geared for a more general audience. So, I mean, that's um, that's for you for next year then to to organize a, a whole other conference <laughs> for the rest of us, right? Yeah, people are always complaining, oh, you don't do anything for fathers. I'm like, that's where I end. <laughs> no, but you know what? That's for those of us gentlemen to, to step up 
and and do something for the men. Uh, and I know men, it's just a different kettle of fish sometimes. Yeah, the women like to go to these things, right? And they like to get together and talk and pray. And, you know, it's, it's just a, it's a different dynamic. And that is what makes marriage so beautiful. That's what makes uh, uh, our world so beautiful is that we're different, but we're compatible. And com- yes. complimentary, the, the the word is complimentary that I'm looking yes. for, right? Yes. I always say my my wife's strengths make up for my weaknesses. So she's a very, very strong woman because I have a lot of weaknesses, right? Imagine. And she's got a lot of weaknesses too, right? Like, you know, that's not that many. No. At least I don't think so. But that's no, I, I think that um, one of the mistakes that our generation of women make, and I'm Mia Kupa myself, is that sometimes we uh we just think of our own strengths and our husband's weaknesses and we don't think of our weaknesses and their strengths right so i'm always encouraging women um you know to do an examination of you know conscience I, i've never ever gone to confession more than since becoming a wife and mother so <laughs> there's uh, a lot of work there that still needs to be done well, I always say I'm a practicing Catholic because I haven't gotten to to perfect it yet, and I guess I'll be practicing until the day I die because yeah, yeah. It, it'll never be perfect. Now, from the the Dynamic Woman of Faith conference, uh, you've also then do have a, a second conference that goes on on that weekend, the the Calling All Girls. Yeah, and so what what I guess because of some of my own struggles in being a young woman in North America and sort of seeing, you know, I, I guess I was blessed with the opportunity to to travel quite a bit. And I saw that women in Australia were, you know, completely different and women in Poland, you know, they they hadn't been infected with the feminist kind of gene. And there was a, you know, maybe more of a respect for males and anyway and i just i just saw all of these mistakes that you know that i had made and and that women were making and you know uh, seeing mistakes that are tropic like you know you're standing in the grocery lineup and like what do you see you know you see cosmopolitan what do you see like there are all these influences that lead us down the wrong path and then you know we're also trained as young women um i had a fair bit of conflict you know with my mother and and it was healthy conflict because my mother was you know trying to save my soul and she wasn't going to put up with this and that um but like where was the influence that said that you can have a fantastic relationship with your um father you can have a fantastic relationship with your mother and i i really wanted to have a fantastic relationship with my daughter and but our culture didn't kind of like you don't see that you well, know that, you yeah, it's it's not the messages that the the kids are getting from the world no they're right. not right. When, and, when you look at media that is not the message that is being sent out to the kids and so I wanted to create these events for young women that were, you know, at the Sheridan Hotel, at the, you know, these places where they would want to go to talk about issues that were um, important. 
Um, and I found that whenever I created these events for the young women, the mothers would have to drive them there. And then the mothers would kind of like be wanting to, to sneak in, <laughs> see yeah. what we want. And so then I just turned it into a mother daughter event. Um, now, we've uh, we haven't like we we've been very religious about hosting uh, dynamic women of faith every single year we haven't done that with calling all girls just because as our mother's ministry has been growing and growing um quite honestly i've just become very stretched there, there, there's just there's only so much one person can do yeah and, and, and that's where other people need to hear the call to, yeah. to go out. Um, the call that we just heard this last weekend uh, at Ascension Sunday to go out and make disciples of all nations. It's not just for one or two people to do that. It's for all Christians yes, to go out, yes. go out and make disciples. Yes, some are called to lead ministries and some are called to organize these events. But again, some plural more than one it's just not one or two people yeah and i like also have been very blessed because our ministry we are kind of quote unquote official faith partners with the archdiocese of toronto so that has opened doors um so that's been a remarkable blessing um i had a meeting with um cardinal collins with one of the moms from, you know, the original moms group with Cardinal Collins in, you know, 2015. And we explained, you know, this attack on women, you know, like, because motherhood just isn't what it is now is not what it used to be. And so there's been, I think, a real assault on mm -hmm, mm -hmm. women, assault on motherhood, assault on the family life. And, um, I guess I just have a very deep conviction that if you, you know, if you minister to the mom, it's going to have a ripple effect. It's going to improve the marriage. You minister to the mom, it's going to improve uh, the relationships in the family. And we've had many testimonies and many blessings. Um, and and like, women don't even think about the possibility of being a stay-at-home mom anymore because our culture doesn't even create that as an option in the minds of of young women anymore. Well, exactly. And like I said, that's just not the message that the young women get. And as you're saying this, that you know, we, we need to minister to moms and minister to mothers and the ripple effect that, that goes out into the marriage and into the family. I, I have to say, again, from the other side, there also needs to be that that ministry that goes to to dads and fathers, but that also needs to be done. Again, I'm not asking you to take that up because the same way that it would be very odd and difficult <laughs> for me to do mother's ministry, I think it would be very odd and difficult for you to do yeah, yeah, yeah. father's <laughs> ministry. But when we are ministering to the families separate and together, yes. The yes. blessings and the graces that can come out of that are, are they're just exponential. Yeah, and I, I commend you on this podcast because I, I don't really think a group of men want to get together and kvetch like women do. Or You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. 
Yeah, maybe, the, the, maybe the faith and fellowship is uh, there, there's a thirst for it. I mean, no pun intended, but there is a thirst for for the faith and fellowship that that's out there. And so, thinking of that thirst, Dorothy, how can people get in touch with you? How can people find out more about the Catholic Moms Groups, the Midday Moms Ministry that you do, and the Dynamic Woman of Faith Conference? Where can they go? I always say just three simple words: Google catholicmomsgroup.com so if you're interested in either starting a group um you know we now have we have a mother's group in the north pole alaska we've got mother's group in minnesota we have mother's group in california we've got mother's groups obviously here across the archdiocese of toronto uh, we have them in hamilton um so if you're interested in starting a group or you're interested in joining a group uh, i say three words catholicmomsgroup.com um if you're interested in the virtual midday moms they're on youtube and then um, we also have them um, as a podcast and available on Podbean, Spotify, and where else? Um, anyway, Podbean oh, is yeah. <laughs> yeah Podbean at least is... those. So I'm the uh, you 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 put in. I'm, I'm the one that helps you produce those. I'm thinking, where where do we put yeah, those yeah, out yeah, anymore? Yeah. It's the same with Pints and Music. You, you you put it out in a couple places. All of a sudden, it's getting picked up here and there and, and everywhere. Yeah, so. and then Dynamic Women of Faith again is three words: Dynamic Women Faith, and that's. Um, an annual conference that we host um, in the Archdiocese of Toronto. Perfect. Well, we'll definitely get all of that into the the show notes, Dorothy. Well, thank I you. Will... I'm honored, and I'm sorry if I went on too long. Oh no, I Dennis and I spoke with another Catholic podcaster one time uh, about this because Dennis and I are constantly having a debate as far as uh, the length. And this other podcaster who's been at it for about four years now said, you know, it really doesn't matter the length as long as the content is good. Mm -hmm. People will listen no matter how long, as long as the, the content is there. And it's just been beautiful tonight. The conversation has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, well, I thank you because I, you know, I'm always doing the interview ink. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's always a little odd to be on the other side of yeah, the Yeah, it's a little bit odd to be on the other end. So thank you for being a very gracious and generous host. Oh, our pleasure, our pleasure. One little thing we always like to do as well, we'll get one of these out. I won't ask for your address while we're recording. I'll get it from you after, but we always like to send a nice Pines and Pews ball cap to, to our guests. So if you're not a ball cap person in and of yourself, if you know someone else... pass it on to my son. Maybe he'll start listening. That would be great. Th that would be absolutely fantastic. We would love that. So again, thank you so very much, Dorothy, for, for joining you. us here, here this evening. Uh, I'm you. noticing now as we wrap up that my hourglass, that's usually how we judge when it's time to, to wrap up the podcast my hourglass is empty and you know the pint and the conversation has been absolutely wonderful it's always a pleasure to talk about our, our catholic faith here dorothy and so just as we're wrapping up i'm going to ask one small favor of our listeners that if they could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the pints and pews podcast on their favorite platform and give us a review while they're at it if people could give us a like on Facebook and if you wanted to drop us a line there or at pintsandpews at gmail.com we always enjoy hearing from our listeners 
We, we had a beautiful conversation here this evening, Dorothy. I'm also uh, looking forward to Dennis's return so we can chat again. And always when we wrap up, we like to uh, remind our listeners of the wise words of G.K. Chesterton. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless. God bless. <laughs>